Oh, I don't. Yeah, I have no gut center either. <laughs> <laughs> Intuition is my is not my first idea. Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky. I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Mom. Hello, Ingrid. I am happy to be able to speak to you today because four days ago, I could not speak at all. Yeah, you got really sick right after our last recording. We were talking all about wellness and our journey to epic health. Yeah. And then you got sick. It was very sad. I'm pretty positive I have slash I had laryngitis. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I had a fever, and then I just completely lost all vocal cord ability for two days. Couldn't talk at all. So I might clear my throat a bit in this Take episode. We'll see. Water. But Here I'm happy to have a voice again. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. So today we have another little special topic to kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Thinking, feeling, action. Doing. Those are three. Yeah, thinking, feeling, doing. Those are three parts of the human experience that we all have all the time. Um, And we all interact with those differently. Some people think first and then they feel and then they do something about it. And then people do and then they realize they've done and think about that and realize there is a feeling there. And some people feel and then do and then think, you know, whatever. All the different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be helpful for the two of us to talk through what our tendencies are Mm -hmm. and then figure out how that's affected the way we interact with each other throughout our lives. That would be interesting to consider. So thinking, feeling, doing, which also another way to say that would be mind. uh, Heart. heart. Would you say mind, body, heart, (laughs) heart? I was like, what is feeling? Heart. Yeah. Mind, heart, body. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy for me to think about these things and talk about these things. And I just give you a clue to what I always do. <laughs> because um, I've been taking an Enneagram class the past, this is my sixth week today, actually. And we um, talk all about the stances from which we uh, are motivated into being in the world. And um, I am definitely in the the thinking stance, and so thinking is your first thing. Yes, as you heard me say, <laughs> my center of intelligence is the head, and not the heart, and not the gut. The gut is the doing, the doing in center of intelligence. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I have no gut center either. <laughs> Well, intuition is my is not my first idea. So, where would you say you are? Um, I'm I'm thinking, doing, feeling. Mm-hmm. I I honestly, I think it'd be most accurate for me to say I think and then I do, mm-hmm. and I don't really know where feeling goes. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that happens to me also, and that kind of fits on the enneagram. Uh, star that the, oh, yeah. um, if you are given to analyzing 
that you um, you think about things, and then you might in health take a gut reaction and and do something, and then you'll feel later. You'll check in with how you feel about something later, which is what yeah. I also do. I like to make a plan. Um, mm. But then I also like to just jump in and do things because sometimes I feel like I get overly stuck thinking about things. And, right, right. Um, I seldom check in with how I'm feeling about something. I used to get so frustrated when people would say, like, well, what's your opinion or what do you think about that? Um, because I, I know that's a, like, that question has a word think in it, but I connect that with a uh, question into feelings. Hmm. You know, how do you feel about this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Or like, what's your opinion? Or what's your gut? Like, if, if, if yeah, they say... Yeah, people don't really ask that question. No. But that's what they mean. That's what they mean. If they are looking for a quick response, that's a gut response. Yeah, right, right. So even just, I mean, when, with deep things too, but even just after seeing a movie or hearing a debate, people would be like, well, what do you think about that? And I'd say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many people in life, I think especially growing up, I really felt this pressure to like defend the fact that like I really don't know. I'm not trying to like sidestep your question or like put you off. You mm-hmm. know, and people will do that and be like, well, I just don't know because they like don't want to make conflict, which I certainly uh, have done before because mm-hmm. um, I do love harmony. But most of the time, I, I, like, I really don't know. I, I need to take some time here and think it through. Hmm. Um, and only in the last couple of years has it, uh, have I learned that that is a real thing for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, versus just like a circumstantial. Uh, it was so, so helpful, and I realized that um, that's a, like, that, that, that is valid there. Mm-hmm. Because now I know what I need to do and what I like to do is to use all five of my actual senses and like all the external input that I can get um, and journal it out or write it down or just think it through. And I, I need to like take stock of myself before I come to a conclusion. Yeah. And then I come back an hour later or a day later and I'm like, okay. I know what to say to you now. Right. Here's my opinion. Here's how I feel. And I can have a full conversation about it because I don't feel like I'm just like pulling things out of the air and having to defend the stance that I'm really not sure if it's me or not yet. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like having an agenda meeting <laughs> beforehand. Let's have a meeting hmm. about what's going to be on the agenda for the next time we meet. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I um, I had a situation when I, I worked as a teacher's aide once where we I met with the administration and some teachers about creating an agenda for the next meeting. It was the first time I'd experienced it, and it was so odd to me, and it was hard for me not to jump in and have an opinion and, right, right, and be like, well, start talking talk about, about it. it. And she was like, no, 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 we're just making the agenda for an upcoming meeting. Um. But there is a lot of merit to be able to say, I really want to have an opinion on that, and it's an interesting topic to me, but I'd like to come back to you when I've had a chance to think about it. Mm-hmm. And some people won't value it at all, 
But if you really know that that's where you stand, and then you can stand your ground and say, nope, I'm not going to engage in that conversation right now because I'm not a gut reaction person. Right, right, yeah. I I think that's true. You do that too. I didn't really think about that until this point. I was part of me was hoping for the sake of the conversation that you would have different um, perspective than I do. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're different people, but um, when I look at our family, it actually is very true. I've seen you a lot in the, li- the lifespan of our family. Say, let me come back to you on that mm. when you don't know. Well, yet. That would be a healthy response. I feel like I'm just still learning that and I'm not very quick about that, about having that phrase. All these helpful transition communication phrases, it would be nice to write (laughs) down somewhere so that I could refer to them and I'd be like, oh, here's the situation I'm in and this is why I can't answer you right now. We need that like find drop down menu in Word that's like, here are your thesaurus. (laughs) Here's the other phrase to say here. That's right. I feel like that's what I do. A lot of my parent um, education classes, I'm, I'm helping parents find questions and, and conversational pointers to get at communication techniques with their kids that are uh, successful at connecting with them. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have two people in our family that are gut reaction people and are much more presence of mind able to say what they're feeling if they're willing to and one of them is super willing to and one of them is actually more reticent but usually has an opinion Mm -hmm. and then we have one member of our family who is heart centered I would say who is able to access the heart feeling um, quickly and but it comes across as thinking and doing all at the same time. <laughs> well, I know that's kind of a weird thing because like, yeah, I think, I think someone, the people that I know that seem to be sort of heart oriented, like I have a gut feeling about this and I feel passionate about it. Um, that manifests itself as doing right away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like they, they're immediately crying, which is an action or they're immediately, mm-hmm. um, yelling you know, or defending their point of view. I don't know. Um, yeah, that that is true. So that's interesting. But I but that is that's just, that's feeling first, and the action comes out. Of you. That would be feeling, acting, thinking mm-hmm. about it. Whereas a, a gut centered person, a doing person, might not know exactly what they feel about it, but they just jump in and do something. Yeah, they just do it, and then they're oh, like, "Oh, I guess oh. I was angry." Or I guess I was sad. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> oh, I guess I was angry. Sometimes I think very. I, sometimes I think that I, I well, I guess we we all do all of them. Um, I'll I'll do and then I'll think and then I'll feel. I I the reason I say I, I don't know where feeling goes for me is because I I'm not like a deeply emotive person who will like cry or laugh all like exuberantly um before during or after you know uh so sometimes I do think actually I must feel first but I realize that that was the feeling that I had so far after the action that it feels like I felt it last Mm. does that make sense like I I have I have this feeling and then I think about it, and then I say what I want to say, 
but I don't recognize that there was a feeling that started me thinking about it until the, like, I think about it afterward mm-hmm. until hindsight. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that does. That fits with the concept of the Enneagram to be given to analyze and withdrawing and um, the um, you're thinking about your feelings. So you do, you do have a yeah. feeling, but you have to check in. Um, you don't just kind of sit in your feelings, whereas a feeling person mm-hmm. just sits in their feeling without thinking about it. They're just sitting there. <laughs> or a um, gut person is doing without thinking about it or checking in with how they're feeling about it. Yeah, that's true. There is rarely a time when I am melancholy without knowing why. Or something. like if I'm feeling something, I can tell you why for the most part. Because I've gotten there. Yeah, because you've been thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. You've been thinking about it a lot. And that actually, that's so interesting. Yeah. Now I say about it, now that you say that, the the times that I think I might have felt most uncomfortable or out of control are the times when I have a feeling that I can't name. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That would be hard. That's hard for me also. Yeah. We had what I call the hardest summer thus far in my life for a myriad of reasons. A couple summers ago, (laughs) I had like identity crisis summer (laughs) and you and dad and I were not on the same page and that was really hard. And I felt um, disconnected and isolated and like ripped from (laughs) all my friends from school. Mm. So I spent all summer, I feel like going through the emotions of life. It was such a hard summer emotionally. And that was the summer that I, that I think that's where I could say, like, I didn't, I just didn't know how to name my feelings. And that Mm. was extra disorienting for a couple months. Because I think now hindsight and having had years to think about it, (laughs) I think I felt, um, betrayed and Mm. abandoned Mm. and um I guess those would be the main two betrayed and abandoned I wanted to like add more things that didn't feel so (laughs) blamey but those aren't blamey things that's just how I felt because Mm -hmm. I the truth is I didn't have my own identity and Mm -hmm. I had put my identity fully in you and dad and my boyfriend at the time who I then broke up with part of the crisis um so when you've attached your identity to three separate humans <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you aren't in harmony with them, you don't know who you are, and, um, which was uh, healthy to go through because I needed to be my own human for sure. But in the minute of it, it, it felt like so disorienting. And disorientation and betrayal are hard things to name. Because they aren't mm-hmm. black and white the way just like sadness is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my example of not being able to name things. Well, uh, you, uh, you were, I think you were having a type of grieving also. Hmm. You were experiencing grieving. And grieving includes depression and anger. Oh, yeah, the five, the five stages. What are they? <laughs> Acceptance. Denial. De- yeah. Well, it includes denial 
anger, depression, uh, bargaining. Bargaining and acceptance. And acceptance. So, yeah, I think yeah, I did the I, most bargaining that summer. You did a lot of bargaining? I think within myself, maybe. Yeah. A lot of what ifs, a lot of I wish. Uh-huh. And denial. I guess a lot of anger. I don't, I don't. I don't um, yeah. notice anger in myself very often. Yes. I don't name it as anger. I'm like pretty prone to saying, oh, I'm never angry. Right. <laughs> Which is like, I, I'm sure that has its own um, root somewhere. But I guess that mostly must have been what it was. Because um, you, when you said, oh, you were grieving that summer, I didn't, I never really thought about it that way. But um, I think that's because from when I think about grief, I think of something like pretty noble. I think grief is such a noble feeling Mm. or or such a noble path to walk Mm. because it's hard and it's long, Mm -hmm. but it's um, uh, humbling and courageous. It's so courageous to walk through that and to like allow yourself the time to go through all those steps. I didn't was not noble that summer. <laughs> I was full of bitterness. I was angry and I was bitter and I felt like the victim. Mm. And I suppose when you're the victim, you don't want to name any emotions because it's you know it's not your fault. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, I think you were definitely grieving that you were in the middle of grieving because. Um, Anger is part of grief, and you are grieving right. a way of life that you wanted to live, and um, it, f- it felt unjustly withdrawn from. And um, when it's injustice that you're facing, that seems like a hard thing to um, uh, to face and to to discuss. And I think what. We, what I've learned recently is that we can be in the stages of grief and not know them or acknowledge them. <laughs> and that, um, that anger definitely is one that we may not realize how we feel. And to do the slow, hard action work, the doing work of writing down in a journal, how do I mm-hmm. feel about this situation, which is using our thinking part um to get to our heart so it's like a a path that we take you and I in particular being thinking first people we need to for me productive thinking happens when I journal otherwise I can spin into unproductive thinking and just be like stuck in what ifs yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I write it down, I get it outside of myself. Or if I talk to somebody about it, I get it outside of myself. And then it's not as powerful. And then I can kind of work myself around to how I feel. But yeah, how I feel is usually the trail. It's the caboose. Which is okay. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, that's all of these. I think all of these are valid. No matter where you start and where you finish, like, that's part of who you are. Yes. It's just helpful, I think, to know that. So that you don't like, so that one of those three doesn't fall into the yeah the corner, abyss. Yeah. <laughs> the dusty corner. Yeah, I, I think that that's really helpful. I, I've certainly been helped recently in learning that I am a kind of a head center, and I can 
access my gut and my heart by journaling. That's an action I can take or, or talking to Mm -hmm. somebody about it. When you journal, how does it start usually? Are you talking to a person? Are you like praying as you journal? Are you? Yeah, I. I don't know. What does it look like? I typically start like a letter to God. Dear God, dear Father in heaven. Partly because recently I've been doing interactive gratitude where I, I write down what I'm thankful for. And then I turn around and kind of take the perspective of God responding to myself about what I'm thankful for. Oh, I'm glad that you noticed that. Thank you for thanking me (laughs) that you noticed I did this thing for you. Yeah. So, um, that's been really, I've a practice I started this summer. It's been really edifying, but, um, yeah, I think it, Oftentimes I write it like I'm writing to God, talking to God, because I'm kind of a verbal processor that way. And so it helps yeah. me if I hear it or if I see it come out of my hand onto the paper. Mm-hmm. And then just writing it out, I often feel better. And I can move, totally. I can move from the wallowing in the swamp of unproductive thinking to... Mm-hmm. Um, productive. Okay, now I have new resolve. <laughs> For, yeah, and new tools. You're like re-empowered. Well, yeah, I mean, today I was feeling this morning, early in the morning, um, sad about my classes, the, the classes that I teach, not having as many people in them as the other classes that some of the other teachers teach and I was feeling sad uh that some of the people in my class last year are taking classes from another teacher I mean it was all woe was me (laughs) glum yeah yeah I wrote I wrote that out and then by the end of it I kind of was like okay God here I am this is me I'm still gonna do my best I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to trust that you will guide me in the direction of the topics and the subject matter for the class. And here are the names of all the people that you have given to me. And so I wrote them down. And that was really what sealed the deal and made me grateful again, is writing down their names. Well, these are the people you've given me. And I will be faithful to praying for these people. And uh, that, by the end of it, that made a... A big difference. Wow. I was, I heard from someone recently who uh, talked about her recovery from uh, growing up with parents who were addicts. Hmm. And um, so she, which, you know, she was just t- telling her story of recovery and what it looks like to, um, find the places in your own self that are broken as we all will have to do through life and then um, heal those spaces and and find ways to tell ourselves positive stories and positive, Mm -hmm. encouraging words. Uh, And she said something really helpful for her was, um, especially since her parents were the ones that were the addicts, she said, um, I talk to myself all the time. Hmm. Uh, like out loud even or in the mirror or something like that. 
I will just like talk to myself. But I talk to myself as if I was speaking to a little child. So she's the parent. Yeah. She's I am parenting myself. Huh. That sounds but healthy. Such a difference it makes when you think about the way that you speak to a small child. Right. You're not cruel to a small child. Right. You know, and I that sounds a lot um like what you're talking about with interactive gratitude. Obviously there you're taking um you're imagining what the Lord would say, who often we talk about as Father God. Mm-hmm. So that's another it's still like you're bringing a parent mindset to speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and what gen- what a big difference it makes because things where you would beat yourself up before, if you're looking at a child, you you have the larger perspective of, oh, you can get up off of that, mm-hmm. you know, and you can do it again. And um, yeah, she said it was really powerful for her. That sounds like it would be super powerful. I, I was amazed this summer when I very first started doing the interactive gratitude after I first read the book Joyful Journey. Um, I how I thought of referring to myself when I was playing, imagining I was God writing to myself. I I said, my dear sweet Vicky. Mm -hmm. And it was super surprising that it kind of came off of my pen because I thought I never referred to myself as sweet, but I refer to you guys as sweet, sweet Ingrid, sweet Audrey, sweet Ellen kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, You know, I have terms of endearment for you. I just don't have a term of endearment for me. That's true. Um, So that was nurturing and kind and restorative to do that. Yeah. That was maybe actually that is interesting because maybe that got to my heart faster. Yeah. It it surprised me. And. I felt emotional about it, and um, yeah, yeah, I think it was a connection to my heart that I don't usually make. That's really sweet. It's yeah, that's really lovely. Sometimes I find that going straight to a letter format is too much pressure for me. Oh, last week I was um, thinking through some the heavy things on my heart and um I was like I don't know where to start with this like I feel like I should have so many feelings here Mm -hmm. and I don't know I'm fine I'm doing so fine and I feel like that's wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) shouldn't I be feeling (laughs) which perhaps shoulds in general um are not the most kind to oneself that's true um but uh just I like I couldn't begin with like oh like dear lord or dear journal or even whatever you know I couldn't start with like this is what's going on within me because I was like I don't know what's going on within me I have no idea mm. um so I that's where I remember how much I in the thinking phase enjoy using my senses mm. and I just listed off in fat like facts mm-hmm and I find facts really helpful. This is a fact. This is a fact. And I and I realized, oh, I have a lot of what ifs in my head. So I wrote down all my what ifs. Hmm. And then I had a lot of um, just like not what ifs, but questions. Mm-hmm. And after like two pages of random facts and questions, then I was able to go back through those and realize, oh, all of these what ifs indicate some fear. Oh, I'm afraid. 
Hmm. Which surprised me. I didn't know that I would be afraid. I thought I'd be sad or angry or, oh, I'm afraid. And then why am I afraid, you know, deeper into that story? And, well, I'm I'm afraid because I feel like I am the problem. Mm -hmm. I feel like an action that I could have, like something within me could cause distress or harm Mm. or... Oh, well, if I feel afraid that I could cause harm in the future, that really means that I think that I am the problem to begin with. Hmm. Okay. And my need for these types of what, like, input elsewhere is because I'm trying to control that situation because I think that I'm the problem. Oh, my gosh. And I got, like, so far into um, my own my own feelings, truly, in, into like fear and self-blame and, and those types of things. Um, it was so helpful. But I really could not have gotten there if I had started with a letter. I, I needed to start with like some flat-out question, like statements, random phrases that well, didn't have polish, weren't polished. I th- I. Th- so what in your thinking you turned to a successful system which was doing and doing concrete things which was checking in with your senses like where in my tent in my body right now what am I hearing what am I seeing what am I tasting what am I um how does my body feel do I feel tension anywhere right and writing those things down that's doing at active right away but it was like through the channel of your thinking first yeah uh and then and then you are able to ac- access your all your what ifs and you just kind of made a list about those things mm-hmm. and then you came around to the feeling that makes sense mm-hmm. to me that we wouldn't be able to access things head on um, yeah, it's probably kind of a, a, a like defense mechanism within our bodies, like a protection measure. A protection, yeah. Although I just thought of a time when I when I do do first, often when I'm like sad, uh-huh. I play the piano before I think. Uh. and that's a do think feel. Well, I guess it's feel do think. You, define the do feeling. You, do you know you're sad? Feel, do, think, feel. <laughs> yes. Do, do, do you know you're sad? That's why you play the piano? I think a little bit, yeah. Like, I must know that I, like, need to get this out somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'll, like, classic Mr. Rogers, like, bang on the piano or, like, play, find find all my minor chords. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a great pianist. So I, like, just enough tools to find a minor melody. <laughs> But that's like that's all I need. Sometimes I will like just bang on the piano, and I use by the end of those episodes, I've usually I'm usually crying, mm. which is healthy for me because it doesn't happen very often. So that is a really uh, quick way to access your doing in your heart. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, thank you, Music. Mr. Rogers. I know. <laughs> what do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could shout. Bite. Bite. I think it's different particular, uh, different verses. Yes. 
Yeah, that's really interesting to have a way to act out your feelings. And that's what Mr. Rogers is always about. You need to be able to act on your feelings and acknowledge them in a way yeah, that doesn't a way hurt out. you and doesn't hurt anybody else. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Right. But I love that he always tries to give people a way to act on their feelings in a healthy, safe way. Can you think of a time, I'm sure there was one, but can you think of a time when you and I uh, were at odds because we were uh, perhaps, I don't know, not on the same, um, not in the same step of our process? Um, well... The time that comes, like, always pops to mind, which I feel the most miserable parenting moment about, <laughs> is when I uh, threw the carrot juice on you because I was mad that you wouldn't drink it. And that was definitely oh. a doing gut thing. And then I, I was like, I, I, have, I was of, you know, two goals. I wanted you to obey me and I wanted mm-hmm. you to drink the carrot juice. I really only wanted you to take a sip because I had asked you to. And so at that point it was a matter of obeying and you obstinately wouldn't do it. And your sister did. And she was just like, whatever, it doesn't taste good, but I'll do it. But you wouldn't. And I ended up throwing it in your face. <laughs> That's <was> awful. <laughs> How old was I? Uh, well, you were little because it was when we were getting our kitchen remodeled. So you were about six. You're about seven. That's like just the age for me to have a shadow of a memory of it, but not like it's like imprinted on you. Yeah. Yeah. You were seven. Your sister was five and your younger sister was one. Yeah. It was, um, definitely a place in my life where I acted from my gut. In doing, Mm -hmm. because I had this conflicting thinking going on and goals in my head, uh, which is hard when you're a parent to like understand which which value, which goal are you going to hold on to more powerfully. And at that time, I didn't understand anything about connection. The parenting books that we were reading at the time were very different and. I didn't understand. You mean like connection before correction, like those types of things? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, or or to even evaluate, like, what was I asking? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, because the two, you're saying like, there's two pat, two values in your brain. One is obeying and one is... Uh, well, what? I guess it was two because to get you to drink the carrot juice, but I really just wanted you to drink a sip of the carrot juice so that I could... Th- satisfy in my brain that you had obeyed me. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but you wouldn't do any of it. You weren't. Why do I need to drink the carrot juice? Well, that's so silly. That's the, the totally <laughs> silly thing. It's like, right, it right, doesn't right. really matter. <laughs> so at that time, it became, you know, an issue of obstinance. And I didn't know. I didn't under- well, understand. Yeah, because I mean, I, 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 I see that. Because 
that's like the whole thing as far as I've heard with parenting is that you if you if you're relaxed on the small things it gets bigger from there so yeah you got to start somewhere but yeah so in that instance you lost your temper and then they were scared did I cry no I don't think you did you weren't heart connected I was probably kind of stunned (laughs) yeah that's true when I'm angry I shut down my emotions yeah very much so I'm I'm most of the time like I'm yeah I would totally withdraw you withdraw I'm very dutiful yes if you really want me to do something I'll do it but I'll do it like this yeah with your teeth clenched yeah so yeah that was a bad parenting moment but we were at odds Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting to me that that is the first one that comes to your mind. Well, when we were most at odds and when I was most Eight, out of line years ago. as a parent. <laughs> 17 years ago. When you were well, most out of line. As, yeah. yeah. Well, there are times when I, definitely I pressed too far in communication. Probably they tried to ask mm. ask too many questions or not the right kind of questions. Um Wanting, yeah. wanting to keep the conversation going but not knowing what to say kind of thing. And I didn't know enough about the heart, you know, about feelings or the gut and doing things. Um, so that was hard for me. I, I remember I had an experience with one of the Kids Hope kids that I mentor Mm. And um, he was kind of a little sometimes hard to engage. But there was one time when we went outside and we played handball. And he was so open and conversational. And I just thought, wow, this side-by-side doing something alongside him has been Mm. so much more productive at getting to his head and his heart than anything we've ever done before. It was so interesting to me. And because it was big and physical oftentimes we played legos but i think that could be too cerebral for him but Mm -hmm. this handball was big and physical and a lot of movement um and he was so talkative it was really interesting so more comfortable there i wonder how the like the uh the learning styles add into that maybe he's a kinesthetic learner and he just needed that Mm mm-hmm to, or, for his, his mind to be, you know, uh, engaged enough. Well, also because he was teaching me, possibly. and um, Oh, that's true. Anytime you ask someone who is an expert on something, that's, they that's, are a, good, more that's a good thing. Yeah. Or um, I've been interested driving home with Audrey as she's learning how to drive at how talkative she is. Oh, really? And it's funny to me. It's almost like putting her in the driver's seat has given her this sense of being an adult that asks mm-hmm. the passenger the questions. <laughs> Whoa. Because Audrey is the notorious, not Vina, we all do this, but she's not the most talkative of the family. Right. Uh, she's, she's more quiet. And if I'm driving home from school... I'll tend to be the one that asks the questions. But when she's driving home from school, I don't ask questions because she's driving. She needs to pay attention to the road. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, 
So she kind of gives me the running commentary on what she's seeing as she drives, which we've asked for her to do because it helps her build awareness of the road and what she's doing. But in the pauses in between that, she'll ask me questions about my day. How's your day? And it's such a different twist to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like, uh, no, Audrey is a very wonderful, well-behaved person, but that's kind of like a spin on the uh, give the class clown a job. Yes. In the class. Yeah. Give them a leadership position and they feel uh, effective. And they behave better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Totally. That's really interesting. Is there any time that you think of when we were at odds? Well, I, I, I guess we could go back to that summer again. But I kind of withdrew with that. I was angry, so I just withdrew that summer. There wasn't really anyone to be at odds against. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's hard for me because I knew in my head that, you know, there was something wrong with you, but I didn't know what to do or I didn't have the words, the heart-centered words to yeah. engage with you. and You know what, though? So. Actually, you mm. also, with, also withdraw when you're angry. Yes. You either, you either do a lot of yelling or mm-hmm. you withdraw. Yeah, I do. I think both. I've gotten that from you. Uh-huh. So... Um, that, and now that's interesting now that I think about it because uh, there's plenty of times when I, I guess it feels a little bit more like growing up it was like you at odds with the family versus like me particularly until I was a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was easy to spot. <laughs> Mom's quiet anger. Everyone's like, okay, go clean your room. <laughs> go do anything you can to make her feel less stressed here Uh, Mm. so that we were definitely at odds but i don't know if that's quite the same Mm -hmm. i think for the most part it is helpful that you and i both think first Mm -hmm. because we may both be a little bit slow to reconcile with each other Mm -hmm. but by the time we like have the courage and humility within ourselves to like reach out to the other person Mm -hmm. there is a lot of thought that's gone behind it into um, the 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 our personal motives and what I think will were your motives or what I perceive from you and the stories we are telling ourselves and mm-hmm. um, in that sense I think once reconciliation has begun um, we we have the same communication style in that which is helpful I think yeah that makes sense. I think so. But we, once we are, have set our course to reconciliation, we, yeah. we've had a chance to think about it with, within ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And then we are able to move forward pretty consistently and swiftly. Yeah. I guess there is definitely conflict when one of us has thought through it and the other hasn't, though. Like through college, there was lots of times when you had lots of questions you said, I'm thinking through this, and these are the questions I have for you. Will you help me think through it more? And I did not want to think about the questions because I did not want to answer them because that would make me um, have to answer for my actions. <laughs> and so 
uh, we were definitely in a lot of conflict there because I was not willing to interact. Mm. And maybe that's also a time, you know, pretend, depending on the situation when you pushed too far in a situation. I think there was like fault on both sides through college. But um, that's a prime example of you being in like wanting to move from the thinking to the action stage Mm -hmm. and me feeling really safe in the thinking and not wanting to go further. Mm. That is interesting. That comes, raises the I will and I won't versus I can and I can't conversation. And um, you can't, you're at an impasse if you're at a I won't with someone. You're right. If there's an I can and I won't, then there's nothing else to do about it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Then you're kind of, you're pretty stuck. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is a very good discussion on the difference between thinking, heart, and gut. Head, body, and heart and body responses. Head, heart, body, thinking, act, doing, feeling. Yeah, yeah, thinking, doing, feeling. That's what it is. Yeah. I think that was really awesome to open up with you and talk through mm-hmm. the way we interact with each other. Yeah. It's helpful to consider and that. Listeners, you have now heard from two people that think, act, and then feel, or think and act, and there's feeling somewhere there. So let us know if you are not from that camp. Because <laughs> I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to just act and then not then, then go back mm-hmm. and do it. And I don't know what it's like to feel and um, then act before you've named it. <laughs> <laughs> I would be really interested. Because like, what is that kind of a... What is that life for you? Yeah. Because I interact with those people all the time, but I don't I can't understand it. Yeah, yeah, so, we would like to know. Send us an email. All right. Well, this is uh pretty much the end of my voice, as you can hear. Yep, get Gregly. Drink some more soup and uh sleep some more. All right, well uh, hi high five, Ingrid. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom daughter story please email us at hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. That's hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. All words, hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.